Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. So it is the first of another month and another quarter, I might add. I hope you spend some time mapping out what your goals for this month should be. And also, I hope that you've been planning out what those big goals in your life should be. After all, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you're thinking big because that's what we do. We look to set those goals high and to really move the ball. So if you haven't already checked it out, what I want you to do is I want you to go in the show notes and I want you to download the goal setting guide in the worksheet that I have there. It also has a life assessment that I work through with my coaching clients. So be sure to check it out. Again, I don't need your email. I don't need anything. All you got to do is just go down there, click the link and boom, there you go. And then also, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, be sure that you do so too, so that you never miss an episode. All right. So today. We are here ready to kick off another conversation with a great guest. So get ready inside the huddle with us today and ready to help us to move the ball is Mr. Howard Shatsky. Howard started his career in the sports industry working for the National Football League Players Association, the NFLPA, and has been representing NFL players since 1989. Over the course of his career, Howard has worked with such notable NFL players such as Michael Strahan and Brian Westbrook. And he's also represented so many other great players and coaches throughout his career, as well as media personalities. Howard also has previously taught as an adjunct professor at Washington College of Law, where he taught sports law. Howard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. Well, let's start off by talking about the world of being an NFL agent. I know you and I have talked about this a couple of times before, and people are always reaching out to me because of the work that I do in the sports industry and people wanting to know about the path to being an agent. I am not an agent, but I've been around many of them. And so a lot of people ask me about it. And the world of NFL agents has kind of changed over the years too. So talk to us about when did you decide that you wanted to be an agent? What drew you to it? And how did you get started? Uh, I think it was something I always wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, You know, I knew being five foot six and somewhat of a good athlete, but nowhere near the professional level that obviously if I wanted to work in sports, it was going to have to be on the business side. So Early on, that was my goal, and really, that's why I went to law school. I didn't go to law school to become a lawyer. I I went to law school to be an agent. Over the years, I've gone from representing players, as you said, to now representing solely just on the coaching side and, and working with coaches because of the changes that have occurred in the business. Now, um, you know, you have a lot of big firms that dominate the industry and represent eight or nine first round picks every year and spend a tremendous, tremendous amount of money up front to sign these players to representation agreements. So it's very difficult for an individual or young person to now break into the industry. Whereas back when I started, you didn't have to spend that cash up front. So the barriers to entry are a little bit higher now than they were before. 
And so you started working with a large agency, but before you went to work for a large agency, talk to us about your time with the NFLPA and what did you do there? I think my time at the NFLPA was probably the most valuable time of my career because people think they want to work in sports, but you really have to learn about what the business is like and what the industry is like to see if you're going to like it. So that was my first time that I actually got to dip my toes in the water and go to go to work for an organization in professional sports. And the way I got the position, I think it's important to say is when I was a teacher in law school, I would tell my students all the time, there is nothing that you will do inside this building, no class you take other than me, no person you will talk to that can help you work in the sports industry. It will be the things that you do outside of this building that will determine whether or not you will and what kind of career you'll have in the sports industry. And that's what happened for me. We went to an event, I'll remember till the day I die, at Howard University Law School. Ironically, uh, many years later, I ended up representing their head football coach. But I met a woman who worked at the NFLPA at that seminar. And you can't just go to these events and expect that something's going to happen for you. You have to stay afterwards, make contact with the speakers stay in touch with them. So I did all those things. And she told me they had an internship program over the summer. I probably, this was back before cell phones and all that, probably called the guy about 30 times and finally went in for an interview. And that's how I started my career in the sports world, working there in what is now known as their salary cap department. And what was the biggest eye-opener for you when you started there and learning? I mean, football, sports, that is a business too, just like any other industry. And I think some people who aren't in that world, they don't think about that or they lose sight of that, but it is a business. And so what was the biggest eye-opening thing for you entering into that world? The biggest eye-opener for me, I would say, is the for lack of a better term, the viciousness of the industry, how competitive it is, how cutthroat it is, how willing they are to get rid of a player if there's a guy who has the same ability, who just makes a little bit less money. So on both sides of the game, on the field and off the field, just the competitiveness and the you know, the cutthroat nature of the industry, I think, is what surprised me the most. Gotcha. And what advice would you share with people that are thinking about being in this in the industry that maybe are in it, but are trying to advance? Do you have any tips for people there? My biggest tip is don't enter into a business where it's a bad business model. Um, if you feel you're going to recruit a player and you might lose money on that player, that might not be the right player for you to recruit. Maybe it's better for you to try to sign a priority free agent who might make the team as a special teams player, and you don't have to lay out twenty-five dollars to $50,000 to pay for his training. Also, the best advice I can give somebody is get to know as many people in the league and in the front office as you possibly can because those connections can be really valuable to you. Sure. And that goes for anybody in any part of the industry. 
knowing people is a big, big part of the sports industry. Sure. And as I'm listening to you hear that, I mean, that applies outside of sports too. I mean, I think it's always important to be well networked and to get to know people in the industry that you are looking to grow your career in, right? Whether it's sports or something else. I think in most businesses, who you know is unfortunately a lot more important than what you know. So what tips would you give people to try to get to know people in the sports industry? Writing somebody an email and telling them that you've been a huge Buffalo Bills fan since you're six years old, and they've gotten that email 50 times. So my advice is do something different. Most people write looking for employment or looking for a job. Why not write and ask for 10 minutes of someone's time? You know, would you be willing to have a five-minute phone conversation with me, with various people in the industry? And if you do that enough times, some of those people will take a liking to you and stay in touch with you. And eventually you'll end up developing a Rolodex. Sure, that's great. I think it's important that we become creative with our playbook, so to speak. And you're right, you have to differentiate yourself. People are so used to getting the same flavor of email that you're just going to get lost in the noise. But if you can do something different, ask for a little bit of time or somehow make yourself a little bit more memorable, some people will be willing to give you that time. And I'm glad that you brought that up because like people will reach out to me on LinkedIn or other platforms asking about how do I break into sports? And, you know, I'll talk to them about getting to know people. And they're like, well, I don't know anybody. And I'm like, you know, I didn't know anybody at one point in my life. Like I didn't grow up in the sports world, but it was about putting yourself out there and then reaching out. And are some people going to not respond to you? Of course, you're going to send a lot of emails or reach out and you're going to hear nothing. But there are people that are going to give you their time if you keep being consistent and persistent at it and just keep trying. And so that it's a process and you have to trust the process and do the same steps consistently and you'll see the results. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. You know, you have to get used to rejection. Um, it's a very, very big part of this industry, not only before you get in it, but once you get in it. I would estimate when I was representing players, for every one that I signed, I probably recruited maybe seven to ten. And so how do you deal with that rejection? Or that, I mean, it's frustrating to spend time and effort reaching out, trying to connect with different players, and and then they end up going in a different direction. How do you mentally kind of regroup and keep focused on the next one? Well, I think it very much helps if you have an existing client list already and have that security. Um, because then not every individual client is an urgency for you to sign that guy. It's just like a player who gets beat deep. You know, if you get beat deep by a receiver and you keep thinking about that for the rest of the game, the rest of the game is not going to go well for you. So when you recruit a player and you spend months and months of your time and hours and hours of your time on the phone and getting to know his family, and is it disappointing? Sure, it's extremely disappointing. I remember when Blair Thomas, who was the second pick in the draft, from Penn State came out in the late 80s or early 90s. And I thought for sure we were going to get Blair. We got most of the guys from Penn State. We didn't end up getting them. I found out from a message on his, for those millennials who don't know, we used to have these things called answering machines. They would record messages for you and you would go and play them back. And on his answering machine, it said, well, 
it was a tough decision. And if you don't know by now, then you're not the one. And this is after two years of recruiting the guy, I find out from an answering machine message. So was that a little deflating? Yes. But had I taken that poorly and reacted poorly with the potential client, three years later, I wouldn't have ended up representing him when he got rid of his first agent. So you have to learn how to handle defeat and know that sometimes those defeats down the line will turn into victories. And do you have any advice? I mean, it's easy for us to say, okay, you know, you can't let that get to you. You just got to stay focused on other things. Do you have any tips for people to help process through those negative emotions of a rejection like that? Oh, when you say don't let it get to you, it most definitely is going to get to you. My advice for that is honestly what I think a life coach such as yourself or anybody would say is you need to take a little bit of time away sometimes, you know, maybe go and work out at the gym, have a good workout and get your frustrations out and get your endorphins going and things like that. It's it's just like a player who's in a slump, you know, you have to do something to keep your energy level up and keep yourself motivated to keep going. Otherwise, you know, your entire business will go downhill. And in any business, you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs, and you have to be able to ride those out. Absolutely. And I do think it's important for people to take a time out and focus on something else, step away from it, and then you come back and you regroup. But you have to process through that emotion. The big thing is you can't stay stuck in that. So take a little bit of time, process it, do something else, get your head out of it. And then you can come back ready to, to focus on that next play as a lot of athletes like to say. And I think it's very easy to get stuck. And in fact, it's easier to get stuck than it is to move on. And that's why I'm, I'm a big believer in the expression that, you know, there's no shame in falling down. The shame is in not getting up. Absolutely. Talk to us about your first agency. And what was that experience like when you signed your first client? My first client ever um, was from Penn State. It was Andre Collins, who now actually works for the NFL Players Association. And back then, now they start recruiting players who are going to be seniors the summer before their senior year. We didn't have to do that back then. So it was my first year as an agent. and I was just thrown into the deep end of the pool with really no instruction, but other than go sign some players. So I decided, well, I'm going to focus on a couple guys because I'm new. So if I just spend most of my time on a couple guys, maybe I'll be able to snag one of them. I probably spoke to Andre every single day of his senior year. And when I say every day, I am not exaggerating. Probably every day. You know, I had a firm behind me but it took a tremendous amount of confidence and faith in his part to sign with somebody who was so young and new in the industry. So basically I got my first client because I became his friend and we didn't meet for the first time until the senior bowl. And I looked very young when I was in the business and he could have gone anywhere he wanted to. And we said, where do you want to go to lunch? And he goes, pizza hut. I knew right away he was my kind of guy. We sat down. He looks across at the guy I was working with. He said, you know, when your boy came up to me on the field today at the Senior Bowl, I thought he was one of those kids who wanted my autograph. (laughs) So I said to myself, well, I know I'm only 24, 
but I cannot sit here and allow this guy to embarrass me like that. I have to take my respect back. I looked at him. I said, I would like your autograph, but there's only one autograph I want on this representation agreement right here. (laughs) Even at 24, I knew enough to know that when an NFL player comes at you, you have to go back at them and they're testing you out a little bit just to see if they should respect you and value your opinion because you're going to be the one handling their money and handling their career. Absolutely. I like that story. So talk to us about your journey. What have you learned as you were, you know, that was when you were a young junior agent, as you continue to grow in your career as an agent, what were some of the key lessons that you've learned to be successful? The biggest lesson I learned is when I was young, I would give my clients advice that I wouldn't take myself. You not only have to take care of your clients, but in order to be able to take care of your clients in the best way you can, you have to also take care of your own business. So one thing I learned was it's very key to run your business the right way. Reputation in sports is everything. It's a very small business. Everybody knows each other. And if you get a bad reputation at a school, I promise you it will be years before you sign one of their players. So the first thing I learned was, you know, to be honest, develop a good reputation, work hard, follow the rules, and basically show my guys that I was willing to fight for them. Because what makes you different than all the other agents who are recruiting them and trying to get their business. That's what you need to show them. And that's what you really need to show anybody when you're a student coming out of school and trying to get your first job. You know, why should I hire you? And I remember an interview that I went on when I was trying to get my first job in sports after the NFLPA. And that's exactly what the guy said to me. He looked right across the desk and said, I got a hundred resumes right here. Why, why should you be the one I hire? And you have to be prepared to answer that question. Absolutely. And the things that you mentioned, all of those attributes, the lessons that you have shared really translate beyond the sports industry into just being a good professional and a good leader in life and business. You have to be trustworthy. You have to be open, honest. You have to be someone that's going to go to bat for your team or for the people that you work with. And so I think those are things that no matter whether you're in the sports industry or not, those are things that are going to help propel you to be successful throughout your career. Oh, I'm a big believer in that success is very dependent upon doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And just that simple thing, which seems like something that's very easy to do every day, but is not very easy to do. Um, if you just do that without even being any good at what you do, that alone will make you better than half the people in your industry. Sure. So let's talk about, I mentioned when I introduced you that you've represented players like Michael Strahan, Brian Westbrook. Tell us about what in your mind makes guys like that elite. Hard work. The best players that I ever worked with were not necessarily the ones who had the best athletic ability they were the ones who worked the hardest. And as you can see by his post-football career, Michael is still working extremely hard. He does Good Morning America. After Good Morning America, he had another show that has since been canceled. He had a half an hour between shows 
and he's getting up at like four o'clock in the morning. And this is a guy, a multimillionaire who makes tremendous amount of money. He doesn't have to do those things. He doesn't have to work that hard, but he does. People say, you know, why Michael Strahan out of all the guys? Why? Because he had a plan, he executed it, and he worked hard. He started working in television before he was out of the NFL. So his relationship with Fox had already been built. Sure. So I think Michael's a very, very good example of what a player can do off the field if he achieves some notoriety and is willing to work very hard. Absolutely. And he's thinking about his career beyond the NFL, because as we know, the NFL for many is a very short career. career. Obviously, Michael had a longer career, but we've seen over the years how people have not been thinking about what's next. And I think as younger guys go into the league, they're starting to think more about that because they're realizing that this isn't going to last forever. And so I need to think about what am I going to do beyond football? Why? I think that's something most people have to think about because most football players will not retire from the game financially set for life. And most people will not earn enough money from their jobs to be financially set for life. So you have to think about investments, maybe getting a good financial planner. You know, like you said in your book, you need a team behind you, you need an offensive lineman. You know, maybe your left tackle is your financial planner. That's your go-to guy who protects your back. You know, that's the most important guy on your team because that's your cash and your ability to, to retire and live your life. So you need those blockers, like you say, that analogy that I, I believe applies to life and business, where you have to form a team around you of good people, no matter what industry you work in. Absolutely. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk to us about what are you focused on now? You're representing coaches. What else are you doing? Basically, what I'm doing is representing coaches. I also work with some administrators, you know, who may be athletic directors and people like that. I'm also thinking about maybe starting to work with some media people again. I've been asked about 14 times to do a podcast, but as you know, it's not as easy as people think to record this thing and have it edited and do it weekly and timely. So, you know, that's something I've been thinking about. But there's a lot of things social media wise that I'm looking to expand into and just to help my business out a little bit. You know, even at this point, still keep networking in my career and meeting new people because I don't think that ever ends really for anybody. Sure. And you're part of the Coaches Inc. team. Tell people, where can they learn more about the firm that you work with and what you guys are doing? The firm that I work with basically was started just for coaches. I personally only work in football, but we've got coaches in volleyball, hockey, soccer, basketball, just about every sport you can think of. The barriers to entry, that money requirement with players that I talked about before, is not there with coaches. You don't have to train a coach to get ready for the combine because he's not participating in that. You don't have to pay a coach's rent for three months before he gets ready for the draft. So you can just go out and try to talk to somebody and represent them without spending money. You know, I'm frankly not really interested in running around the country trying to sign draft choices anymore. It's a very, very difficult business. And I, I have a lot of respect for the people who still do it. 
Sure. And since we're talking about uh, signing guys, you know, we're getting ready for my Path to the Draft series, which is going to kick off a week from today. I've had a chance to talk with a number of great NFL draft prospects as part of the 2021 draft class. So I'm really excited to see where they go after the draft and in their next chapter. Any advice that you would share with any of those young players that might be listening? Yes. Um, one Treat every interaction with someone from the NFL as if it's a business interaction. When those people call you, um, they're calling you for a reason. Um, two, it's already a little late for this, but go through your social media. Don't post pictures of yourself drinking. Don't post pictures of yourself doing things you shouldn't be doing. Um, teams will go through your stuff. They will know more about you than you know about yourself if they're planning on drafting you high. So the best advice I can give to someone is keep your head down, stay focused, work hard, um, find an agent that, that wants to work, work hard for you because you want someone that's going to work as hard off the field as you're working on the field. And having said that, my advice would be to sign with somebody who has some experience not necessarily the person who's going to give you the most money every month or this or that, because at the end of the day, what's important is you making the team. And if you don't get drafted and you have to choose a team, you want someone who's able to help you pick the right team because the goal is not to get a $10,000 signing bonus as a free agent. The goal is to make the roster and make the 400,000 something minimum as an NFL rookie and start your career. Sure. Yeah, it's actually, I think it's over 600,000 now, I believe. So it's gone up, but that is the goal. It's not just to be uh, getting, like you said, those $10,000 signing bonuses. Howard, what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two minute drill. I'm going to ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? I wanted to be a sports agent. Okay. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? Without question, because he's very short and good looking, Tom Cruise. <laughs> there you go. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? My favorite vacation spot that has nothing to do with football would be Greece, where I went on my honeymoon. Oh, very nice. I have not been, but I've seen pictures and it's absolutely beautiful. And I look forward to one day going. How about, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? I'm very boring, vanilla. <laughs> okay, how about, what is a pet peeve of yours? My pet peeve is people that do not return phone calls or emails. Oh, yes. As I said before, I'm a big believer in getting back to everyone, whether it be, you know, the, the guy who picks up my trash or someone I'm trying to sign as a client. I try to show everybody the same respect that I would like. And there were a lot of people who helped me when I was trying to get into the industry. So another thing I try to do is, like I said to you before, if somebody asks for 10 minutes of my time, I'm always willing to carve out some time and give somebody 10 or 15 minutes of my time and try to give them some advice that might help them along. Well, that's great. I appreciate that you do that because I think it's important that all of us do that because we all re can remember back to people that did that for us. So I think we need to pay it forward and do the same. Yes. And unless your last name is Lombardi, if you want to work in the NFL, you might need a little bit of help. <laughs> 
My next question is, what book are you currently reading or podcast are you currently listening to? I just finished a very well-known book you might know called Move the Ball. Thank you. I appreciate you reading and I, I appreciate the feedback that you gave me. And that, that was honestly the last book that I have read. And if you notice, I made several references to it during the podcast, just so you know that I had read. There you go. I very much appreciate that. My last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you invite and why? Now, this is a tough question because like I said, I've probably met everybody that I would want to meet in sports. So I'm probably going in the non-sports genre. I got to take that back. I would like to meet Michael Jordan. One, because I would just like to have a conversation with the person that I think is the greatest basketball player ever. My second person would be Mark Cuban. I have a lot of respect for the way he's built up his businesses and one philosophy that he has that I'm a big believer in is he's taken a look at what the cost of college is. If you're gonna spend half a million dollars to send your kid to college, another very viable option is to give your kid that half a million and let him start his own business. I like some of his philosophies and I enjoy watching Shark Tank. So I have to admit, even though his brother Brian is a friend of mine, I am a little bit of a fan. So Mark would be another one of my choices. And my third choice would be, I'm not very political, but I would like to speak with Kamala Harris because I would like to know what it was like to be an African-American woman as someone in her position for the first time, how she felt before she got the job and how she feels now that she has the job. And does she feel that she has more to prove than the average politician? You know, I think there's a lot of interesting questions that we could ask someone like that. Well, thank you for that. As we look to close today's show, tell people how can they stay in contact with you or how can they follow you? They can find me on Twitter at Howard Shatsky, also on Instagram at Coaches Agent Howard, and also on LinkedIn. So I'm easily found on social media. So if anybody out there would like to email me or contact me, definitely feel free and I can guarantee you will get a response. Perfect. And we'll be sure to put your social links and info in the show notes so people can reach out if they would like. Howard, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been great having you on. Thank you for having me, Jen. I really appreciate it. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.